0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts.
1: Feral Audio.
0: My name is Lucille Lamone, and one year ago, I hired a web designer to build a website to display my hand-knitted American History-themed neckties and business gloves. The web designer stopped returning my phone calls, and when I threatened to take him to small Claims court to get my 6,000 deposit, he put an alligator in my window while I was sleeping. The alligator chewed both of my arms off and one of my feet. Now I'm forced to knit with my mouth, and remaining foot and my work has suffered greatly. Now I cannot enjoy an alligator show, or the smell of Doritos, without thinking of the morbidly obese conman alligator wrangler who not only destroyed my business, but ruined my life. If only
1: I had used Squarespace. Hello, my name is Duncan Trussell, host of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast and inventor of the hiker's comb. Unfortunately, the story you just heard is not an isolated incident. One of the number one causes of dismemberment in the United States is from getting mauled by a deadly animal placed in your window by an unscrupulous web designer. From bears to honey badgers, the neighborhoods of America are filled with the screams of innocent victims who awaken to find their bodies being ripped apart by the sharp, vicious teeth of deadly animals. This could happen to you, but it definitely won't if you use Squarespace to build your website. There is no need to get ripped apart by a wild animal just because you want an amazing world-class website to start your business or blog. You can go to squarespace.com and for plans starting at $8 a month, you can build a world-class website. You can even start a trial membership with no credit card to see if the website works for you. Works for me, I have built a website called podrift.com dedicated to... The project that we're doing to try to allow people to podcast in virtual reality space. And this technology, of course, is eventually going to lead to the invention of a time machine, which will suck us all through a hole in the time-space continuum, where we'll all exist as one blob of plasmatic consciousness in some futuristic paradise. That's all thanks to Squarespace. Check them out. If you go to Squarespace and enter in offer code DUNCAN, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. You should really try them. I'm not saying web designers are bad, and I know not all web designers have a uh, some wild animals in their backyard that they're going to release into your house if you dare to ask them to finish the job. But most of them will. There's some good ones out there. I use one. His name's Steve. He's fantastic, but. If you want to stick your sweet little toe into the rivers of capitalism and find out if your business idea might actually work, why spend thousands of dollars in the beginning? At least start with Squarespace, see if your website's going to work. They've got an online store that you can use, they've got a way to process credit cards, and uh, they've even got an awesome logo designer, which is pretty cool. It's a good business. Give them a a try. Why not? They're supporting this podcast, and they're really sweeties over there. And most importantly, they're keeping so many entrepreneurs from waking up to stare down at the coils of their intestines falling off the side of their bed and blood pouring out of their torsos in a thick red crimson river. That's Squarespace.com. They're building time machines and keeping you from getting ripped apart by deadly creatures. Go to Squarespace.com. Enter offer code DUNCAN and you get 10% off your first purchase. God bless you, Squarespace. Thank you for supporting this podcast and thank you for keeping the people of America from being painfully dismembered in their sleep. Squarespace. 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 Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast is also brought to you by Amazon.com. The next time you're going to buy something through Amazon, won't you please just go to DuncanTrussell.com and click on the colorful Amazon portal that's uh, located on the comments section of this very podcast. When you go through that portal, not only will you feel your quarks and nano quarks being massaged by the hands of primordial demons, you'll also uh, give a small percentage of your purchase to your favorite podcast, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, and it won't cost you anything extra. There's no need to go outside anymore, I don't have to tell you that the world is a is a a cyclone of the bared teeth of lunatics all polishing their bullets and just waiting to blast you into oblivion. You don't need to go outside. If you're going to go outside, make it because you're on a bicycle or going camping or figuring out how to build solar panels or bowing down at the feet of some forest guru who's teaching you how to astrally project and walk through walls, there's no need to spend your precious time here on this beautiful green living planet wandering through the hell mazes that are the chain stores of America. Do you really want to bleed, bleed, do you want to bleed, do you want to breathe the combination of the stinky carcinogenic plastic and the hamburger farts being blown out of the poor desperate souls trying to find diapers and applesauce? You don't want to deal with that. Go to Amazon.com. They have everything you could possibly need. But first, go through our portal, won't you? Going through portals is always good. Everyone wants to go into a portal, and we've got a great one. Go through the portal. Support this podcast. Also, I've got some dates coming up. If you go to DuncanTrussell.com, you can see that uh, I'm going in next week, which is the 9th and the 10th. I will be in Utah with the great Joey Diaz. If you're out in that area, please come. Um, And, of course, we have a shop, and you can check out some of our shirts. We've got an amazing new t-shirt coming in from uh, Ron Rigi, and we're going to replace the logo t-shirts that took forever to replace because of various catastrophes related to global warming. But soon the shop will be stocked up again. Go check it now. Maybe you'll find a shirt that you like. Okay, let's get this podcast going. Let me just say, before this starts, that um, a few nights ago, I did a live podcast at the Hollywood Improv, and then we had an after party, and it was definitely, I think it was one of the top three best nights of my life. The other two best nights of my life were involved being abducted by an alien and flown to a paradise planet uh, on a small little... Uh, meteor off the uh, in Alpha Centauri, but this was definitely the, the third greatest night. It was amazing, uh, not only to to find out that that a live podcast can can really work, but it was the coolest part of it was meeting all of you guys who came to the show. You guys are the coolest people ever. It was so fun um, uh, getting to meet you in person and then getting to hang out with you at the R bar where we had a wonderful after party uh and with DJs uh Emil Amos and Nina Tar and Demon Babies. So I just want to say thank you to all of you guys who came to see the show and thank you to everyone who gave me so many cool gifts uh including a laser edged water bottle that has gratitude written on it. So the idea is that apparently um, there was that experiment done, I don't, I, there's a parent, I can't remember the guy's name, but apparently if you put like a smiley face in front of water, it makes it happy. Do I necessarily believe that? Absolutely not, but it's still a beautiful water bottle, so thank you for that. Thank you so much for the awesome comic book, and thank you, thank you for the party rats. Somebody gave me the most amazing gift that has really transformed my life. These are tiny little... Uh, light rats that you can strap on your finger. They're great for partying, but they're also fantastic for night blogging, which is something that I really love to do. So it was amazing to see all you guys, and uh, we're going to start doing that once a month, I think. So keep your ears peeled, opened. Keep your ears opened and peeled because uh, we're going to be doing more of these, and I sure as hell hope you guys will keep coming out. So here we go. Here's a live podcast. I'm sorry if I seem if it seems a little different than a normal interview, but it's a different dynamic when you're in front of an entire group of people. And uh, I was nervous in the beginning, but then when I realized that the room was just filled with a kind of um, uh, awesome uh, love vibe, I definitely, uh, I think I loosened up. And Harmon and Emil, who are the guests, are geniuses, so... It was really there was really nothing that you could do wrong because those guys were always there to pick up the ball if I dropped it, which I hopefully I didn't do too many times. So here we go. The guests on this today's podcast are Emil Amos. You can follow him on Twitter. uh, That's Emil underscore Amos. There'll be a link to that on the comments section of this website, and uh, he's also got an album out on Bandcamp called Lost Decade Two. You can listen to a song that we recorded together called Altar in the Woods. All those links are going to be on my website. Today's other guest is Dan Harmon. He is the creator of Community. He is also the creator of the Adult Swim show Rick and Morty. And he's also the host of an amazing podcast called Harmon Town. So, you should definitely listen to that. It's also on Feral Audio, the podcast network that this podcast is on. Okay, everybody, now please open your third eyes, send out your love tendrils, not just to these two uh, awesome human beings, but also to the entire group of 200 meat bodies that gathered together to see the first Los Angeles Live Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast. Hare Krishna. Welcome, Duncan Trussell of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Hello. Wow. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Wow, this is really crazy. I'm so excited that, uh, you know, I was just talking to Dan Harmon, and he's saying, isn't it great to find out that all those years of working on material were for nothing? Because... (laughs) 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 That is so cool. It's such a great thing. It's so exciting what's happening with podcasts. It's amazing to think that they've drawn an entire crowd of people to the improv... So cool, and I, you know, I, the way I see it, if if you get a group of two hundred people together in a room, then the first thing you always have to do after saying hello is to get them to intone the sacred (laughs) Om. So I was thinking we could all just do that for a little while. Just make the oming sound and relax and sort of shift the energy in, in this club a little bit. Because it is a comedy club. And probably right now, at this very moment, there's some angry old comic just radiating poison energy into this room. As he snarls that doing a podcast does not count as comedy. So let's do it. One, two... Three. Oh. (laughs) Sounds so cool. I'd rather do that for the whole show. We broke a glass! If we direct our energy, we can kill Putin tonight! (laughs) Not that you'd want to, that guy's pretty awesome, actually. (laughs) So, okay. So, I guess I have to start the podcast by, uh, cause it's weird. Right now, the, it's, we're bifurcated because not only there's a lot, you guys are here, but then there's also like a big audience out there on the internet. So, as I've been thinking about how to do this, I've sort of been rolling around in my mind, like, how do I bring you two together? And I was thinking what would be so awesome uh, after I introduced the podcast is that we could all sing the theme song. Okay. <laughs> Okay, cool. What's that? Jonestown. Jo- she said, Duncan, Jonestown. <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> Maybe in a few, a few months after we really get to know each other, we'll drink poison. But I really just want... Oh, you're saying a lot of people don't... You guys might not know that the... Thanks. You're welcome. Right. I told. I forgot why you said that for a second. I thought you were uh, accusing me-, me of doing some kind of Jim Jones thing. <laughs> But yeah, the, she, what she's saying is the theme song is the Jonestown Family Choir singing that, for those of you guys who didn't know. But I figured those little kids shouldn't, they shouldn't dot, drink cyanide for nothing. Like, now, <laughs> now there's songs on a podcast. That's kind of cool. Okay, so I'm just going to introduce the podcast for the uh, internet. I don't know. This is going to sound really weird. This is the second live show I've ever done, so forgive me if it's a little bumpy or weird. I'm just going to have to figure out how to how to do the podcast live because usually the way I do the podcast is I'm sitting in my house um, having had, like, many glasses of coffee. Glasses of coffee? <laughs> I drink my coffee out of a wine glass. That's part of the process. And then I, um, I uh, you know, I maybe eat a little marijuana and then sit in front of the computer and sort of record the intro over and over and over and over again for hours. Like, my neighbors must think it's just like a schizophrenic... Lonely guy sitting there t- talking to himself in his underwear, drinking coffee out of a wine glass. <laughs> <clears throat> so forgive forgive me if uh, wh- whatever I end up saying in the beginning doesn't. It just is real uh, crumbly and str- strange because uh, normally I'd be going back and editing it. So anyway, here we go.
2: <clears throat> so.
1: Hello everybody, it's me, Doug Trussell and you are listening to the Duncan Trussell Family Hour Podcast and we are recording in front of a live audience at the Hollywood Improv. Say hello. Uh, (laughs) There are two Hundred meat bodies jammed into this room right now, and it's an incredible feeling. A lot of great energy is in here right now. All of you listening out there on the internet, and uh, before I started recording this part of it, I told everybody that we are going to say hello to you by singing the theme song. So, do do you guys know it? By do you guys know it? Yeah. Okay, so maybe we'll do it. We'll sing two verses of it, and then we'll get going with the podcast. On the count of three, let's get going. One, two, three. Welcome, welcome all of you, that you are with us. Satan's okay. going to be proved. Welcome to you. Great work! Great. But we're gonna do it one more time but this time do it like you knew that your parents were gonna make you drink cyanide in a few months so really make it a good performance okay on the count of three one two three to be blue welcome to you Woo! awesome that was perfect um well i'm not going to talk about i i don't know how caught up you guys are on the podcast but uh over the the last few weeks i've gotten a severe bicycle addiction and i can't stop <laughs> It's the strangest thing. I'm I'm really hooked on riding a bicycle and today I had my first case of uh bicycle rage where cuz you like you know the guy the lycra guys like if you see them go by when you're walking they just seem to be seething anger. It, it, they they're like like once you're wearing lycra and you're on a bike you become a kind of like uh, cruise missile that uh, has to deal with like people driving cars you have to deal with people by driving cars and the more you ride a bike the more people driving cars seem like the end result of a collapsing shit system like people they they see the more you're riding on your bike you because when you're riding on your bike you are given this incredible gift which is that the the, the space between point A and point B becomes more important than than in any of the points. You're doing it for just to be in the space of riding your bike outside. And the more you ride your bike, the more you realize how uh, car culture has basically robbed everyone of so many things like the smell of cooking food like when you're driving your car by people's houses you don't smell that when you're riding your bike you can you you, you can smell people cooking you can listen to uh you can listen to, the, to what's going on inside their house sometimes you hear them fucking <laughs> and then you put your bike down and you creep up to their windows Cars have robbed us of that. They've robbed us of the ability to be voyeurs. They've robbed us of the joy of fervently masturbating next to someone's house, <laughs> wearing your bicycle helmet and crying. <laughs> but the, 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 the other thing that, by, that cars rob you of is hills. They rob you of hills. And hills are something, uh, a few weeks ago, like three weeks ago, I, like, I don't know if you guys can see it, but there is a little bit of color in my hands. And for the last many, many years, my hands have been Gollum white. Just the <laughs> white of someone who just stays inside and like, Just is like completely stuck inside their house. But now now this addiction is like, I'm actually getting a tan. And when I first started riding my bike, I began to dread the hills. That was something I got really worried about. And I would think like, oh, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get to these certain parts of town because there's a steep terrible hill in between me and that place and there's no way i'm going to get my bike up it and my ego's too big to like get off my bike and push it up the hill like a it's four year old pushing a trike so but then i've now that i've gotten addicted i've started uh going up these hills and the weird thing that's happening is now i find myself longing for the hills more than going down the hill. I don't know if there are cyclists in the audience, if that's something that you experience, or if it means I might have a brain tumor or something. Brakes. Fixed gear. No brakes. No brakes. <laughs> that's a terrible idea. I don't understand that. We can talk about that, but why, why do people not want brakes on their bike? It's a, it's a fixed gear, so yeah. it's like, Why? Oh, no. uh, because it's just, it's, just more, it's just more dairy. That's what it is. What he's saying is really what start what you still what starts happening is because you realize the rush of riding the bike is not just. Uh, being outside and being in nature, but it 's also there 's an incredible rush when cars are getting really close to you there 's something really exciting about the danger, so what you 're talking about is like you love the idea of having to squeeze your legs together and push back on the tire just for the sheer horror of knowing that if you fuck up you 're going to slide in front of one of those one of those concrete trucks, and that 's it no. <laughs> I want brakes, man. I squeeze my brakes when I'm going downhill. I'm, te- I'm constantly terrified of the... Maybe that's why I don't like hills, because I'm a pussy and I don't want to go too fast. But I like the... What, what you begin to realize is that cars are robbing us of hills. They're robbing you of the thing that a hill teaches you, which is that if you keep trying to go up any hill, eventually your body is gonna warp and conform so that you can then get up a hill. And it's clearly an obvious metaphor which Donovan embodied in that incredible song, which I can't remember the name of. It's a zen koan which goes, first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is and that is you guys have heard that so it's so I, if you've you guys have obviously listened to the podcast a bunch, you know that I tend to rave about how awesome technology is and the incredible idea that at this very moment where probably every selfie you take or every video you make will be assimilated by some futuristic supercomputer and allow people to wear virtual reality goggles and go backwards in time to have conversations with digitized uh, versions of themselves who've been abused with artificial intelligence based on their uh social f- Fingerprint. You guys know what what I'm? No. Okay. Cool. One of the cool things about doing this by yourself is like everything's an awkward silence. So you you don't know. So there's something exciting about the idea, to me, of uh, the technology presented pre-bike. Pre-bike, the idea of being able to go open up digital wormholes and travel into virtual realities seemed like an incredible thing. But now that I've just been outside every day, all I want to do is, like, go uh, up a hill and listen to birds and get uh, to places where morbidly obese people can't come because... (laughs) Those places are always more beautiful. They always are. The hill creates a barrier. The hill is the ultimate blockade for the, uh, the, the parasitic shitheads of society who think about a hill uh, in the same way vampires think about garlic. Like, no, it's, it hurts you. Um, So (laughs) I had my first, uh, anyway, I had my first case of bike rage today as I was um, going downhill and going super fast and uh, some guy pushing one of those little ice cream truck things like tried to get in front of my bike and I pulled the brakes on and, and I almost wrecked into him and then I'm like, fuck you, dumb shit, fuck! And I realized, like, you are, the whole hill thing is bullshit for you. You can't assimilate the idea that life is a journey (laughs) if you're screaming. (laughs) Some poor guy who wants to sell ice cream, you asshole. (laughs) But that's the, that's the thing that a bike ends up teaching you is that the tendency in in the society that we're in is that they want to take the hills away from us and they act like that's giving you a gift. They wanna take away that moment in between uh, where you are and where you want to be that incredible uphill struggle they want to remove that from you or give you the illusion that hills could be taken away from anything you can't re- there's no way to get rid of hills hill it's like getting wetness out of water hills are a natural part of uh existence and the struggle in between where you are and where you want to be is uh is way better than any reward you get from finally arriving at the destination. And that, thank you. But that used to be the paycheck, you know? There, Like, now there's a paycheck where if you do a certain number of things for a certain amount of weeks, you get a paycheck at the end of it. But it used to be there was no paycheck. Like, everything was just the belly of a mother dog, and humans were sort of wandering through that primordial dangerous beauty just suckling on nipple after nipple after nipple, which was fishing or having sex or even getting attacked by a tiger. And I I, I think that I think that uh, that's the, that the great cons- if there is a great conspiracy. The great conspiracy is that Barack Obama is an American. He is not an American. That's the only thing I wanted to say to you guys. He's a Kenyan, and those hills have taught me that. When I'm riding up the hills, a bird lands. There's always the same bird. He's got seven eyes and. He has an American flag, and he says, tell them Obama is a fraud. <laughs> the, I mentioned the whole thing about that weird getting to love the effort between point A and point B because my two guests today are the most hardworking prolific people uh, that I know in my life. they are Not only are they two uh, uh, geniuses, uh, but they have a work ethic unlike anything that I've ever seen, and it kind of acts like a little bit of sand in my bathing suit when I consider how absolutely hard uh, they work to produce the stuff that they produce. So um, I'm hoping that we can talk a little bit in this podcast with them about the creative process and the question of of uh, when when, uh, does leisure, is leisure more important than production? And some of the ideas that I often have is I'm laying in my bed playing Hearthstone when I should be putting a (laughs) podcast out. Um, so I'm, uh, we're gonna, we're just gonna get the show going, uh, Emil, Emil's gonna come up, uh, for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast, uh, Emil Amos is a musician who plays drums for the band Om, he also has his own band called the Holy Sons, and he's gonna come on stage and play some music for us, so give him a round of applause everybody, Emil Amos! You just gotta worm your way through, friend. (laughs) Emo everybody, let him in!
2: I can take or leave them if I please. someday late. So this is all I have to say. The suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. I can take or leave them. Fa I please. doesn't hurt till it begins. And as it works its way on in, the pain grows stronger. Watch it grin. Now suicide is painless. It brings on many changes, and I can take or leave it. If I flee. life Don't bring me back This thankless life There's things I don't wanna see And I know who gonna gonna win again You know I played the game I played it through I don't care how it is I know how it feels 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 feels. Just don't want to see my enemies defeating me. I know how it feels, I don't know how it feels. See? So we can kind of keep moving. To do that too. I've been chipping away at a stone. in the dark of a mind Then you just walked right in Turned on the light and a smile To see and if I'd never gotten love I wouldn't recognize it. Reconcile my loneliness. Embrace redemption when it's not hard won You see things laid out for you Being a king was easy for you Felt like I'd never been rest So I'd never be received, and if I'd never gotten love, I wouldn't recognize it. And if I'd never be received, then I'd never be. Receive.
3: Okay, I don't really have too many problems. But you may have heard this song because, um, it was recorded when me and Duncan were um, tripping. That's not true, sure, that was a Richie Havens reference from Woodstock that never came out, but you have to know. Them.
2: When the storms clear. I'll be standing right here. I'll survive the sadness of this world. So let the sun. I'm a, I am a young man I live a long time I hope my heart set on mud I got to move slow and let my eyes close trust in this world with my life
1: is, uh, now he's going to read a passage from um, his book, uh, You'll yeah. Be Perfect When You're Dead. Everybody give it up for Dan Harmon. Let him hear yeah. It's hard to get up here. Dan Harmon!
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, thank you, Emil Amos, for making my fiance pregnant with your voice. <laughs> it's just less work for me. Uh, my fiance published this book for me as a birthday gift. I don't think anyone was looking to publish any of my work, uh, but she, for my 40th birthday, she published this book, and it uh, was uh, it was a, it was a it, it was a very thoughtful and it turns out a profitable uh, birthday gift. <laughs> so, um, and uh, I just I just want to disclaim and say, like a lot of this stuff is cold. This is this is from April twelfth, two thousand and eight. This is like from my MySpace blog entry. Uh, at the time, I I, I, the, the, I, I had an ex girlfriend who very justifiably was feeling passive-aggressively harangued by some of my veiled references to our relationship. She would... She just, in general, didn't like the idea that I was a sort of transparent life blogger that uh, was including her in my maelstrom. Uh, And uh, this is me aiming a javelin at her eye. uh, (laughs) But in the most cowardly way possible. Because uh, I'm a great person and I was an even better person in 2008. Uh, so, if there's any references to like the Hulk being nominated for an Emmy, you understand this is a. You know, some people will be. Uh, well, that guy played the MASH theme. When, when was this recorded? Uh, okay. <clears throat> I talk about you in this blog entry, April 12, 2008. Later on in this blog entry, I talk about you. But first, some chit chat. In my previous entry, I said, if you live in Los Angeles, the weather was beautiful today. What am I, an immigrant practicing conversation? What's the unspoken remainder of that insight? If you don't live in Los Angeles, I have a hat. If you live in Quebec, there is a library. I apologize for that. It was out of line. The weather was beautiful yesterday, regardless of where you live. I try to keep the contents of my MySpace blog concise, polite, accessible, soup, and faggot. It's 2008. It was a different time. It's not often I step out of bounds But when I do, I account for it I apologize I am sorry that I said If you live in Los Angeles The weather was beautiful today You don't need that kind of bullshit This blog isn't written for, by your fat daughter I don't get that kind of latitude I slip up, pow, you pull the plug You stop reading Alternate suggestions for the sound of someone pulling the plug Pluk, cloop, plug, bloop, unpluke. New paragraph Still not talking about you yet Maybe I'll talk about you later. Maybe the last sentence will be, you're a bad person. Dropped like a fizzucking ucking after 11 pages of improvised onomatopoeia and stream of consciousness. What the French call le consciousness au stream. All right, enough. Let's talk about you. Psych! You know what? Maybe I will never talk about you again. Maybe I will not talk about you for six months, but then talk about you for 20 pages. Would you like a schedule of when I'll be talking about you? Well, wouldn't that be convenient? Given the amount of text I write that you have to scan and the time you'd save not having to scan it, you could take up tennis. Get some shopping done. Work on that thing you do that only you do that I may or may not be referring to right now. Well, it just doesn't work that way, you fuck. Welcome to Hostagens. Don't look it up, I'll tell you. It's the state of being held hostage. Wait, hold it, stop. Do not use that word today. I made it up. I almost made you look stupid in front of your friends today. Speaking of friends, ah, ah, am I going to talk about you? And no, new paragraph, nothing to do with you. Hello. I'm not talking about you yet, but I am talking to you. Just you. You know who you are. You know I'm only pretending this is generic. You know I'm looking directly at you and you alone. And there is something I need to say to you that I would only want to say if I was talking to you. I shouldn't have this kind of control over your life. You should be floating through space and have Newtonian interactions based on your gravity, your mass, your momentum. I shouldn't be affecting you. I think you should stop reading. I promise that if you stop reading right now, I will stop writing." Ugh, okay. We both broke that deal. Another paragraph. What's this one going to be about? Is it going to be more bullshit about how sad, lonely, or scared I am? You don't have time for this shit. If I'm going to say nothing of any importance to you, the least I could do is keep it short. If I'm going to talk about you, can't I just get to it? You don't have all day. You have a conversation scheduled immediately after this to talk about me talking about you. (laughs) I feel bad about this enormous mountain of self-expression. I can't imagine how angry you must be when you pull up to it in your empty pickup truck and see how many meaningless chunks of me you'll have to toss over your shoulder before you find anything that reflects enough of your special face. Well, here, let me give you a break. Here's a shiny gem about you. I think you're stupid, selfish, and untalented. Here, let me help you load that into your truck, you vacuous piece of shit. We'll strap it with some bungee. Actually, why don't I ride with you so I can help you get this onto your identity pile? It can be pretty heavy to realize that I perceive you as a wimpy, empty, self-important bore. Is this your pile here? Oh, wow, impressive. Man, you sure have a lot of stuff from other people on here. No, no, that's not a judgment. Although I suppose if it was, it would go right on this pile. Okay, let's get this big mother off your truck. Man, I really let you have it with this one, you parasite. This is bigger than anything you've already got. Now, I'm required to say this to everyone, just as a formality, you do realize, of course, that this giant jewel you got from Mount Harmon, while inspired by you and reflective of you, is not you, and that its value as a piece of expression is not value that can be directly attributed to you, but is, in fact, the direct result of Dan Harmon's tendency to make things interesting. Okay, good, I know it's obvious, but I'm required to tell people that. You know, as long as I'm here, mind if I take a look at who you really are? I wouldn't mind getting underneath a lot of this stuff. Let's sort of, can we do a little experiment here? Can we put everything back the way we found it as soon as I'm done? But I, 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 I just want to try something. Could we please remove everything from your identity that is the result of someone else saying something about you? Let's just, whoa, whoa, easy. I'm not doing anything permanent. We're, we're going to put it all back. You're going to be who you were before I came here. I just want to show you something. Let's just make a separate pile for all these rumors people have spread about you and compliments and insults people have dealt you and these horoscopes and, oh, personality quizzes don't count as self-expression. People are always surprised to find that out. <laughs> a- applause, booze, your mother said a bunch of bullshit that cuts both ways, but none of it matters. Your accountant says you're attentive. Your roommate says you're a slob. Someone said you were a genius. Here's some photographs. Those are of you, but they aren't you. Here's a clipping from a publication, not you. And, of course, this giant sparkling jewel I created when I called you human garbage, not you next let's let's set aside all the things you like yes the things we like are there because of who we are but we're trying to get to the who we are part we are not bbc america sunsets baby elephants and converse okay if we did this right what we should have left is the stuff you've generated including anything you've expressed about yourself that hasn't been propaganda sabotage or lies and we call that your actual identity well now don't be ashamed just because it's not a giant pile of stuff doesn't mean you're not a person exactly fears like that that lead people to overpiling with other people's stuff you have plenty here once your pile is cleaner it makes it easier to make it bigger what do we got here you're a chocoholic i'm sorry that shouldn't be in here that's just saying you like chocolate you can't put a holic after something you consume and call that an identity Aw, what's this little doodad did you make this see there we go you make stuff everybody makes something Let me check it out. I won't break it, I'm very familiar with these. This is called an attention sucker. It's designed to draw attention toward an identity pile. These are cool, can I show you something? I have to actually open this, it's okay, take it easy. I make these things all the time, I know them inside and out. A lot of people hate these things because they draw attention to identity piles that have nothing in them but more attention suckers. But inside every single one of these lame ass, embarrassing derivative pieces of shit that we make is something incredible. Look here, see that? It's right at the center. That's a little baby expression. See how pretty? This expression contains something called need. And even though no two expressions of need are the same, the need they express is universal and eternal, so much so that you can't normally see it unless it's expressed inside one of these little gems. Isn't that pretty? Look at that need. Look how insanely incomplete and alone you are. It's infinite. You were born in need, you will die in it. Some people think that not only does need connect all people and all life, but that life is itself an expression of need on the part of a physical universe, and that the physical universe is an expression of need on the part of the nothingness it's trying to fill. And some people actually believe that that's what God is, the original, infinite, unknowable, unfillable need, a single thought that says something that is not must now be. And these people that believe these things They say that you can atone with that God by expressing your own need, by simply figuring out what it is you want, being honest with yourself about it, and then expressing it in some way in a conversation, a poem, a joke, a movie, a stained glass window, etc. And everything you touch grows, and everything you imagine becomes, and you get laid, and you make money, and your life is easy. And you never have to defend yourself because everyone that means you harm bursts into flame because you're doing God's work and he doesn't want you fucked with. Now... Let's put this unintentional expression of need you made back inside this dumb thing surrounding it that wasted the world's time. And let's put that back in your pile. And let's put all your bullshit back there, all your rehearsal, ambition, misdirection, self-pity, melodrama, entitlement, restraint, privacy, and brazen, bold-faced lies. There, you're all back to your shitty self again. With me saying you're shitty right on top, like a star on a Christmas tree. You are quite welcome. Thank you. Sorry. 2008.
1: That was awesome. Thank you. Dan Harmon, everybody! Let him in! Dan Harmon! Wow. All right. Let's get this show going. Everybody, please... Open up your heart chakras and shoot love tentacles out into the ether. And welcome to the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, my two best friends, the coolest people I know in the world. Everybody give it up for Dan Harmon and Emil Amos. Let him hear it.
0: i could have just stayed up here
1: yeah i realize that still clunky i got to figure out the i should get a stage manager or something huh
0: thank you this thank you very
1: much can we order beers and shit? yeah what kind of beer do you want this the stella couple two of them three You guys, that was amazing. Thank you so much. That was really awesome, man. Thank you. So, both of you, uh, the reason I thought it was kind of a, it wasn't even intentional, but then I realized you both in your own way are kind of tortured by this stuff that's coming out of you. And do, do you... Uh, what what is that do you think that's a necessary component of the process or is that something that people just think they're supposed to feel you know like how, wh- why is it that the, the thing seems to be in some way impacting you that in a way that isn't ultimately pleasurable
0: well I I I have always thought that that like creatives are these gingerbread men that are they're made out of just this empty what you call a meat body. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a hole, if you're a creative, there's a hole going through the center of you that's meant to just have some shit that is not you at all come through it and get lightly flavored by the inside rim of your gingerbread hole.
1: Right. That's from the Bible.
0: But there is a yes... But there's a third component to it. I think the reason it hurts is because there's this thing called the ego, which is this uninvited, unnecessary Cronenberg muscle mass... (laughs) <laughs> that kind of contorts the gingerbread man, and also is like like blocks the whole, Like da, 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 Daffy Duck, like like is the quintessential depiction of the ego. Like he he wants the pearl, mine, 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 mine. Like 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 Daffy Duck wants more credit than Bugs Bunny. He wants Daffy Duck
1: wants pearls. That was something he was going. Yeah, remember out- the Genie Cave episode? Ah, uh, no
0: yeah pismo beach yeah. uh it's, it's a, your ego is like the thing that go, go like oh i uh, i wrote that i did that right and then that's the thing that has to get obliterated in order for you to write anything because it won't it won't that's the thing that keeps the cursor
1: blinking and nothing being typey typed right <laughs> that's awesome so it's a, it's the so um the, the, but the weird problem that you're talking about is that if you completely remove the ego, then you don't really get to enjoy the fact that you made something. Bingo, yeah. So that's so, the so big paradox.
0: So the part, the, the part of you that's capable of feeling anything and taking credit for anything and enjoying anything, that's the part of you that has to be gone, d- dead gone when w- w- whenever you do anything of merit.
1: That's from I was I there's like this essay uh, Alistair Crowley wrote uh, for those of you guys who don't know that he's this occult awesome. Uh, he's like in a <laughs> you know, he's one of the great uh, um uh, magicians of our time, but he uh he he had an essay called The Holy Grail and he said the gr- the terrible thing about the Grail cup is that the moment you drink from it, the you stop being you anymore so you can't enjoy whatever that incredible delight would be in having eternal youth or being perpetually everything. So, are you saying that the suffering that comes from making this stuff is just you clinging to the greedy enjoyment of what's coming out of you? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> what do you think?
3: I think that's... That's totally correct, um, uh, but it was interesting you were talking about <clears throat> enjoying hills earlier, right? Yeah, because it seems like the basic goal of, of this kind of collective societal impulse is to follow this this path of least resistance down this this hill or something, and money and and, and success and affirmation and, and things are kind of tumbling down it, and everybody goes with that current. It's almost impossible to rebel against it. So the artist or whatever is supposed to stop in the middle of the current or whatever and look up, back up the mountain, and realize that there's this is impossible task of like stopping this current or changing it and even though it's totally impossible myth of sisyphus
1: myth of sisyphus yeah. for those of you guys who don't know that's pushing i love that this crowd someone cheers the myth of sisyphus Sisyphus. I bet mean, that's the first time at the improv, it, it, first of all, anyone's mentioned the myth of Sisyphus. They're like, oh, yeah. Unless Sif- Sisyphus is like some urban deaf comedy jams comic. You know? like, Sisyphus tells it like it is. It,
0: Carlos Mencia has like a ten, <laughs> 10 minutes on Sisyphus. It's hilarious. They're probably just, they heard that on his album.
3: But, but so my point is, is that the Sisyphus myth, I think, on the surface is this really negative story, you yeah. know, like in the Pink Floyd song where he's saying help me carry this load or whatever, you know there's all these references, it's always like this defeated, fatalistic thing but in in terms of workaholicness and shit like that, you're just sort of you're just living with this, this task and I think in a kind of I think that's what Sartre's solution was and I think that's what Martin Luther King is like why we really celebrate him, it's because he Sacrifices himself to this impossible task, this this sacrificial task, and then so he goes, looks looks up the current, looks up the mountain, which seems completely impossible, and then just finds a way to try to enjoy that subversion, you know, and going back against everything.
1: So you're saying it's like going, pushing the boulder up the hill is a subversion of the general flow of everything in like, this the metaphor. Collapse of things. Yeah, in you're this doing metaphor, this desperate attempt to fix what is ultimately a, a planet just sort of rotting in the middle of a hole.
3: Definitely. I mean, it's, it's all around. It's right in front of you. You don't have this. Isn't like an obscure metaphor or anything. But but so so there's this this task in, in front of you, and that is a that's a painful task that's you're gonna you're going back through the current is already creating a type of violence across all the people coming down across it you know so people get mad
1: right you're saying people get mad when you're creative people just tend to get angry at you probably i'm sure people are mad at you i listened to that fucking voicemail from Chevy Chase
0: yeah well he was just sleepy you know I went to <laughs> he doesn't like to work that late and I, uh, I can understand I, I was Fletch why am I why am I up past eight it's because of you you fat alcoholic piece of shit I get it man I'm on he his was, side.
1: <laughs> I saw by the way you know I came to visit my brother in LA when he had the Chevy Chase show and I saw the Chevy Chase show I was there and saw it <laughs> holy shit it was bad it was so bad <laughs> it was the most sad thing to watch that show Expecting like, I don't know what I expected, like the kind of, like, witty, handsome guy from Caddyshack or something, but he just seemed confused. He seemed like he didn't know what was happening, and he came on stage and just seemed genuinely, like, MK Ultra level, <laughs> hypnotized by some malevolent Illuminati force that was, like... Like somebody was puppeteering him with a bad connection or something, <laughs> like the controller wasn't quite working. It was so depressing and sad uh but I like what you're saying well he I'm sure he's a sweet guy. everyone at the center is full of love, and it, I don't know <laughs> we gotta love everybody, right? that's the idea no I don't well, know. As, I, as
0: I've said a thousand times i mean the the he, he is he was absolutely dedicated to making people laugh, which is you know some people aren't, and that, that, right. that, that's like he was I would I would I would come out into the Paramount lot and he would be he would he would be stopped by a tour of people that were just touring the paramount lot and that that is a all respect to Paramount that is a shitty tour <laughs> like, that you're just pointing at buildings and going, "King Kong was in there, and I'll take your word for it." <laughs> Here's my $800. It's a bad tour. Um, right. This, this is the this is the library steps of community. What? What is that? Right. Where's Dr. Phil? For God's sake. Yeah. Uh, but but Chevy Chase would like he would like you the the, the the people that ran across him while he was walking from one side of yeah. the lot to the other he would stop and he would he would they would gather around him and he would he
1: suck would. their life energy until they withered. <laughs> Until they yeah. withered into weird fig-like things, <laughs> all, and they the them out. All roads
0: lead to Rome, you know. Like, <laughs> like, 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 even if you're a, like, like a clinical narcissist, like, if you really just put the pedal to that metal, if you love yourself that much and that obsessed with yourself. And without any exception, without any shame or anything, yeah. I think that would lead to total redemption, making other people happy, which he did for decades. He's yeah. a fucking legend.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I like. I think there's something redemptive about fanaticism, but it is weird if anybody's like solely devoted to one thing. There is something in that that's always creepy. Did you see that picture of the Islamic terrorist who got his legs blown off? Uh, it's amazing. It's a video. <laughs> 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 it's good. I watch it every morning when I wake up. <laughs> before I take a shower, I it comes on. Thinking about getting every frame in it tattooed all over my body.
0: But it, you should just just go to J date. <laughs> like like, what, like what, you, you need to you need to spend some time with. Just 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 go out to dinner with some nice young ladies.
1: Uh, the. Video is... <laughs> <laughs> the video is of this guy. He's just gotten his... he just gotten blown up. And uh, he... Uh,
0: you, he's you, drinking d- a Pepsi.
1: No, almost. Okay. Almost. Right. He's like... Somebody brings him a bottled water and he's like in shock. You can see his guts are just hanging out. And he's kind of propped up and the look on his face of happiness is so real and um, it's like it's like uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the middle of a really nice picnic with someone you just fell in love with. It's just this glow as he's like drinking this water and then he just sort of dies and uh that to me was like that sums up fundamentalism right there it's like Chevy Chase (laughs) yeah exactly yeah then I then I right away I thought my god this must be how Chevy Chase writes his jokes (laughs) he watches people blown in half and then I'm sorry why am I he was really funny in Caddyshack I didn't mean to attack him great guy I'm sure he's awesome I don't know Uh, he's your enemy so fuck him Dan (laughs) anyway The point is, there is a type of friction that happens when you end up diligently pursuing something creatively. And I remember with you, Emil, when we were in college together and you were the first person I met who spent all this time working on art, I remember all I felt was like this kind of sick jealousy. And it was real. Like, I really got annoyed with you because I was jealous and I didn't like the fact that somebody had overcome their... um, uh, entropy enough to constantly be creating something. is was really fucking annoying.
3: Yeah, I felt
0: that pretty heavily. <laughs> hey, I wrote a new song, Duncan. You want to hear it? Yes.
3: It wasn't. It-
0: that one's good too. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like another wine glass of coffee? That was a that was a fucking just base level callback. That didn't really. Didn't, uh, all right, thanks.
3: Yeah, that that dynamic. That's part of what I'm talking about. You're like you're cutting back up this this river or whatever. You, there was a guy. I remember this? There was a kid that would chase me around uh, the campus, yelling things because i told him i was happy oh yeah it really insulted him like so deeply that he would chase me around and try to pull me down and
1: well no that's because that was another thing that happened to to emil uh when i met him he was so depressed such a depressed person you were you were uh he would lay in bed all day he was like really down in the dumps and i remember like we were in a we took a class on sociology with this hardcore leftist uh lesbian feminist professor do you remember her she was hardcore man and she was talking about i don't remember it was a very probably was really important but i don't remember what it was but (laughs) i remember it was just very dramatic and i looked over and you were sort of slunched over you're slouched over in your chair and you got this like weird laugh in the middle of her talking about this (laughs) terrible, like, thing happening in the world. It was just this, like, it was like the laugh of a 120-year-old man who, like, (laughs) heard somebody say, there's hope, and he's like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) there's no hope. (laughs) You were like a ghost. And I remember, like, being so sucked into liberal arts college that I'm just like, what a fucking dick, he's never gonna learn. But He'll be then,
0: lucky if he learns even one of the liberal arts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but you started reading. Uh, you All of a sudden, you started reading like really hardcore existential philosophy like Heidegger, and you were reading Nietzsche, and then somewhere in the midst of you spending all your time reading that stuff, it was like something snapped inside of you, and then you became really happy.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like... To say, because it sounds intense, but it's all because of you, really, actually.
1: Uh, thank you.
0: Could I get a uh, basket of zucchini uh, sticks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm starving.
3: <laughs>
0: How long is this show? <laughs> Sorry.
3: <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Basket of zucchini. Alright, I'm jealous. I'm jealous! <laughs> Fucking musicians, they get they get all the trim. It doesn't matter. <laughs>
3: well, okay, so I am not gonna I'm not gonna tell the whole story of my life, but I think I think when Tell me if this happened to you, but you, you started I was a pretty brainy kid and I was straight edge, and then I started taking drugs. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah well I was a kid and I started taking drugs that happened
3: but I mean I was so I was about 16 and I you know like I think one day some dude was playing Aerosmith and got me to smoke pot and <laughs> <coughs>
1: that's how it always
3: happened. we just like yeah and then, you know, it was like a weeks later, it was just straight to acid. The first dude I ever took, took acid with is actually in the back of the audience right now.
1: Hey. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Give it up for Dr. Phil, everybody. He came to the show tonight.
3: My, I think my point is, is like, I, I kind of like did that sort of junky, basketball diaries slide where you just like, you start out trying to learn and then you just kind of like become a fucking useless stoner, you know, or whatever. (laughs) So I destroyed my brain, and my brain chemistry uh, with whatever I could get every day and then by the time I actually got to college I had been, like my skull was broken open by a drifter who took a guitar and broke me over the head so I had 17 staples in my had all these drugs in this little box. That's not a metaphor. No.
1: <laughs> that's what I thought
3: it
0: was. At first, at first. My skull had been broken but open what, by... Once you number the stitches, you know that's literal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but up until then, I thought it was but just thought... like a John Mayer song. <laughs> <laughs> My skull but was th- broken open by a drifter called <laughs> Friendship. <laughs> Oh, yes, of course.
3: Thank you. My, Thank you so my point is, though, that that like then I met you, and so I had sort of like taken, let drugs take me to this place and drop me off at sort of the end of the earth, you know. And then and then you sort of reminded me that that I liked to learn, and I liked to think, and I liked to read, and I liked, you know, whatever shit like Damn. that. Oh. <laughs> And so that, it turned my life around. And then you just partially only got jealous because I got so excited by that. And it, it like, fueled me to redesign myself, you know. And then we went through all those experiences together. Yeah, that's a terrible
1: moment when you realize somebody is taking advice that you can, (laughs) that you're not doing for yourself. (laughs) And it's like, it's like making me so happy. They're (laughs) all right here. Yeah, that was yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was an amazing thing to see though because you you were. What's that?
0: Oh, I thought she said Charles Barkley. <laughs> it's,
1: it's heartbreaking. We'll get to Barkley. I've got a lot of opinions on him. I've got Heartbreak. to lead into it.
0: <laughs> it's so I just realized Charles Barkley sounds
1: like heartbreaking. Like <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he broke—he broke a lot of hearts of many of us, and I'm so sorry. Is he alive? I'm so glad he's alive.
3: (laughs) He's like the Meineke dude now. Is he really? Pretty sure.
1: Well, that's gonna be the podcast, you guys. No, I'm just gonna. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, the, the um. But there is a weird thing that that happens where suddenly you guys are... You become separated or something. Like, it makes you an outsider because you end up getting magnetized into this thing that you're doing. This, like, your ego's still there for both of you, and you both have got to have at least some idea of what's coming out of you and how beautiful (laughs) and inspiring and and powerful it is. So that sucks you into it even more, and then the next thing you know, you become what people call a workaholic which is somebody you both you I, you I know you are and i know you are forgive me I, you are you work yeah. you work so much and so hard all well, the no, time. no,
0: no. I don't work hard, but 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 but. What do you mean? But we but but workaholic. I accept as a definition because it, it like it's uh, an unhealthy dependence on work to right. w- in terms of your identity.
1: So that brings me to this is this is the thing that's been happening to me. I've been pedaling around on my bike, uh, and then I went up to Big Sur, and I was sitting on this rock in Big Sur, looking out over the the Pacific, and thinking to myself this is way better than anything I've ever done. Like this just sitting here with my dog feels so great. And 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 riding around on the bike, just that feels better than any phone call I've gotten about some kind of like success or the whole thing feels so good. And then that's gotten into my brain and I just can't stop thinking about uh, like buying an Airstream and, get, and, and getting and selling all my stuff, and then just like traveling around the country doing a podcast, maybe something like that. He's so cool. But but the the question I have for you guys is: Don't you ever feel? Don't you ever think that, like, even in the like in the midst of all this production and creation, uh, that 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 ultimately it's all the like what the Book of Ecclesiastes says: Dust in the wind. All of this is for nothing. Nothing you do matters. Try to drink as much as you want. That won't help. Don't drink. That won't help. Be with a bunch of girls. That won't help. Don't be with any. Nothing helps a little. It does help. I that guy who wrote that was an asshole. But. (laughs) Cle- cle- he didn't have a bike. Whoever rode Ecclesiastes <laughs> should have pedaled around on a bike. But don't, don't you... So th- my question is, like, so many people get so caught up in production. Isn't there... What about just giving up everything and, and vanishing off and into the nothingness? Don't you guys ever think about that?
0: Well, I'm 41, and I, I, like, like I, I'm getting married in November, and I want to have a kid, so now that... Right the The second half of that video game starts. Like if I was, if I was, when I was thirty, yeah, I always had that like feeling, you know. And I, I, which is why I didn't, I wouldn't write on uh, the staffs of other people's TV shows. I just kept writing stuff and kind of I made my own path. But uh, now, but then there's a second half to life, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm sure this is just drinking the Kool Aid of 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 mediocrity or something. Who knows? But but uh, I also I don't know. I I, I want to do it. I don't I, I don't want to be the uh, the Gary Busey character in the back of everyone's wedding, like, like with the Hawaiian oh, shirt, and the, like, like, like go, going like. That's uh, me. There goes another one. Oh. I'll tell you something. You got to follow the uh, spiritual path. That's what's important. That ah. and a juice. <laughs> uh, I I I want to I want to I want to merge with my woman and make a little yeah. make, make a little Asperger kid and uh,
1: <laughs>
0: pray to God he's not good at football and and uh, yeah play 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 Lego video games with him. You and,
1: can make it so he's not good at football. Just make his shoes too tight for the first <laughs> six years. He'll have feet problems. <laughs> It's called. It,
0: <laughs> I have a feeling my karma dictates that my kid's gonna be Keanu Reeves, like he's gonna be Johnny yeah. Utah.
1: Yeah, that's the scary thing about having kids is like there, you know, there's gonna be that inevitable moment when they see their first George W. Bush speech, <laughs> and like your kid could be like, he seems really smart, Dad.
0: <laughs> God, <laughs>
1: that could happen. But that's called the. Um, that's called the. Uh, uh, in Hinduism, there's these ashrams is what they're called. And so there's what's called the Grihastha ashram. That's called the householder life. So the idea is like have, owning a house, having a child, and sort of like the idea is like you're supposed to like like in the hardcore version of it, which is ridiculous and comes from the Hare Krishnas because it's such a fundamentalist idea. But it, the idea is the only reason you have a child is to teach the child about how to transcend the cycle of birth and death and merge with God. That's the only reason you even make life, but that's ridiculous. Well, you you guys agree, maybe so. But I think that's a lot of pressure for the kid. Where you're like, we only fucked once for you. Fine, God, we're... Yeah, that seems really intense. But so the idea is it's like there's no, what I like about calling that an ashram is that uh, there's a, that it's no different from what's called the brahmachari ashram, which is giving up everything, abandoning your possessions, giving up, like just cutting every single tie that keeps you locked into the current paradigm and drifting out into the world. And that's a different ashram, which is like the begging monk, which seems more like what you are, Emil. Nice.
0: <laughs> Burn.
1: <laughs> Bitch.
3: I think uh, most likely most people follow different trajectories spiritually and there's no reason why like somebody should, you know, have the same arc as another person. So, but the second part of life thing is incredibly true to me. I think that 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 leisure area whatever you're talking about was kind of something that, as a kind of Faustian trading artist dude, like I had to do in the beginning and i and I was like had to go out and be like totally lost and get fucked up and waste my time and destroy my body and all that shit and stuff and then now, second half of life um, it's my job to sit down and report everything that I learned, which yeah. is like just pure hard work, you know pure hard work and so Like like Mozart, when he's in the bed, like you know, reeling off the shit before he dies or something. It's like it's it's not fun or anything necessarily, but uh, but it does make me happy in in a very deep way that other things can't make me happy. And so, when I'm talking about Martin Luther King or this this solution to the Sisyphus thing, I'm being pretty serious that like you just have to find uh, a way to enjoy this hard work and then that's sort of like the answer to the equation or something you may have your point of leisure or like that that kind of taking in period instead of reporting you know and giving back or whatever you might have that at a different point in your life
1: but- don't you think the reporting though is there's something in it that's like blasphemous like the idea of like reporting in like whenever that sneaks into your mind like ah oh, shit i got to take a picture of this it's ruining the moment. That reporting in thing, you know, when um, R- Rogan was talking about uh, his, D- his DMT experience, he was talking about how while he was in the midst of seeing these golden Buddhas and this incredible like uh, vision of some transcendent force, there was the realization that what he was thinking about was his desire to tell people about it. Right. And that creates this wall between you and the experience, you know? Don't you think that selfie impulse is kind of like a satanic impulse? That it's a...
0: Well, you're... I mean, I I think that... I think it's more like... I mean, if if it's happening while life is happening to you, yeah. If you're in the middle of having a... A life experience, and you put the brakes on it in order to Instagram it. Right, you're you're uh, it's 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 a technical violation, but <laughs> but but there are there are 25 year olds in the audience who who for them the joy is in the Instagramming, so that you can't you can't circumscribe that too. Right, but 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 in the in the strictest sense, like this guy Sam Christensen, who t- teaches this workshop in uh, Burbank for actors, anybody, it's like a self image realization thing just short of being a cult but, but uh enough to be just a really good acting class um <laughs> cool. he 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 said at one point like i was in my 20s when when i heard this from him and it kind of changed my life he said uh, uh god is the moment god is right now he's here right now and the devil is five seconds ago and five seconds from now the devil is is a thing that is trying to keep you out of God's reach by making you think about what just happened and what's about to happen because God wants you here right now that's
1: awesome (laughs) that's so cool that, that just gave me this great image of Jesus returning, floating over whatever city, and it's just hands holding their cell phones, trying to take pictures. Like, Got a shot of Jesus! It's also
0: a great way to get out. Of, you know, your girlfriend goes, I'm doing a show at UCB next Wednesday. I'm like, yeah, what, what are you,
1: the devil? I don't know if I'll make it. Anybody who invites you to their improv show has been possessed by the devil 95% of the time.
0: Any appointment, any schedule, yeah, it's all the devil. Mm.
1: Yeah, so that's the trick, isn't it? It's like, the, the, whenever I sit down, like, I can look through my notebook, and I'm always attempting to write a book. And whenever I look at the pages where I've decided, like, I, this is where I'm writing the book... It is embarrassingly bad. It's just like so puffed up, like some kind of... like la- I don't know who I think I am, but it's like suddenly my word choices are all too big and it's awful and 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 basically unreadable but then when i read the parts where i've just got like i'm super high sitting in the cafe unhappy about an ex-girlfriend or something it's that's where the good writing is so it's like figuring out a way to remove the purpose from the act of creation it seems like an impossibility how do you do that
0: I think if you're, if you're doing it for a paycheck, if you're doing it to get something done, then you're going to have to accept that there's a certain amount of, uh, of falseness that's going to be into it. Like, like you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, do, uh, 10, 10 songs for an album and get it out by November and not have a couple of them be, or a couple, or just a, just a certain percentage of the whole effort be, well, this is this is the Sisyphean like effort of right. of 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 pushing, you know, like 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 like, like because of, for the sake of pushing. Uh, so that that's how it kind of dovetails with what we were talking about earlier. Like 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 you 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 could you could release an album or a book or a, write a TV pilot every thirty years and have every single page and every paragraph and every song and every melody be totally in the moment um but but then you're not you're not ex- uh, really helping anybody by by being that much of a purist L- like there's a, the interplay between ego and and that thing that comes through it and right. obliterates it it is I said earlier that the ego had no purpose but of course the ego keeps the gingerbread man moving it puts him over to the typewriter the ego's the
1: vagina the baby pops out of yeah.
0: well the ego the ego looks at the at your fucking income tax reports the ego looks at it tries to get laid the ego the ego does everything that makes you want to get something done by a certain date and so it's, you're, in, you're, you're a business partner with Daffy Duck in every creative endeavor uh, <laughs> the, there's the Bugs Bunny who's just like eh, well, who gives a fuck Fuck Doc, you know. Bugs Bunny's a Buddhist, you know. He doesn't. He was transgender. He was like, he transcended everything. He didn't give a shit, man. His fucking hole. He would. He would be living in a hole in a place where they were trying to make a city, and he'd be like, "This city needs to change." You know, like, like, uh, like, 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 I'm gonna, fu- I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck these people over. He, he fucked with an opera conductor for just a half hour. Just, just for the fuck of it, like he just like, like, like he's he's so zen that he's Charles Manson. He's like, uh,
1: if only Jeffrey my dream Dahmer. Is to get like, him there's a the there's podcast. a point where it becomes. I don't know if we're applauding your awesome I don't know or Charles Manson.
0: But know, like you look at like Woody Al- Woody Allen stuff, like like in the seventies, it's like oh, who's this fucking guy? He made himself without permission. He, nobody nobody wanted to. Uh, nobody invited him up under the silver screen. Nobody right. said, "Hey, you should be in a romantic comedy." Right. Like, just like Paul Rudd. Uh, I mean, he I, I, like, like he looked like a fucking writer, and he was just like I don't. I, like, like he's obviously a, well, There's a, his Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck are at war with each other. Like he, may, and that's what you see on screen. Like he's. It has something to do with being able to be so Bugs Bunny that you can actually start to make fun of the Daffy Duck, use it in your shit.
1: Uh, I love this so much. I've never heard this. It's like the ultimate articulation of Buddhism and mindfulness because they usually use big words. Uh, crazy weird eastern mm. words to describe this but bugs bunny and daffy duck <laughs> you, you might have just created the new buddhism this might be it based on the looney you know, tunes characters uh, every, every
0: improv troupe there's probably uh 70 percent of the audience has been in an improv troupe uh there's always there's always that one person that hangs up the flyers and uh right. and books the gigs and they ain't always the funniest guy on stage. Right. Like, they're the guy that hangs up the flyers. They're the guy that gets you the gig. <laughs> and, and and they're also in the improv troupe. And they right. come into the scene and they're like, "Wow, I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, and, and you're like, oh, Dale. But, but like, Dale. The improv troupe wouldn't exist uh, without that guy.
1: Um, here's my qu- we have to go because we have the light so I only have a few more minutes but I'm sorry you guys we only had 90 minutes we've already done 90 90- <laughs> how much time do I have you guys I can't see six, six minutes five minutes the- alright well here's my question for you guys
0: yes I will sing a song with Emil. email
1: <laughs> that would be awesome what song That was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It was a joke that backfired because they're into it. (laughs) Here's my question to you. It's an unfair question. I haven't given you time to think about it at all, but for the people listening for this week, can you tell them something that they should do that's going to throw their lives out of whatever weird orbit they're in and move them in the direction of something awesome? (laughs) Worst question ever. I'm just trying to burn time. I got five minutes. <laughs> I mean,
0: if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're if I'll speak to the writers in the audience. If you're a writer, like, you you have been avoiding sucking for 20 years. Uh, th- th- this Memorial Day weekend, in addition to remembering Pearl Harbor and stuff, uh <laughs> G- 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 sit down at some point and prove that you suck. I tell young writers, like, yeah! Write something really shitty. Make an agreement that you're gonna set fire to it. No one will ever read it, but like you will, you'll be cleansed by proving to yourself that you are the shitty writer that you think you are. Instead of sitting there in this stasis, going like, "I'm That's I'm awesome. not a shitty writer." Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Just just be a shitty writer and yeah, do it. Cool. Be a
3: shitty writer. Emo. Well, you have you have to purge all that shit anyway, right? You you gotta get past it. There's a good Louis C.K. interview on Charlie Rich the other day where he was saying basically that. Uh, that all the people that like don't become good writers are people that just let fear kind of drive them back, whereas if you get into those really like unsure places, you kind of pedal it to the metal there, you're, you're gonna like experiment and discover way more shit, which is like basic LSD's frame of mind or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but so I used to have this, I uh, used to have a girlfriend and she she once I was like trying to sequence a record or something and I was like, Which does this song fucking suck or whatever? And she was like, it was a really brilliant way to say yes, but she <laughs> she very gently said something like, Well, I think you have said the same thing in other ways that were a lot more constructive and, and they came across really well. You know, so I was kind of left to realize, like, maybe this isn't the best articulation. That's partially with your point earlier is, like, as time goes on, your experience uh, goes on, you you start to merge all these things. Reporting, you know, and the taking in kind of all come together. You realize there's an art to living. There's an art to... Talking, there's an art to articulation. There's an art to reporting. You have to be, you, you want to be good at that, you know. And that's that's really difficult to do. So there's nothing wrong with reporting. It's it's about reporting it well, you know, and right. articulating something. And if you can really honor that art, then you're going to make everything worth, you know, other people listening to. So I would say, you know, that like take my girlfriend's. You know, advice in that sense, and just like realize that the craft is really more about perfecting your ability ability to articulate what you actually mean to another person, you know? Love it.
1: You guys, give these guys a round of applause. Dan Harman.. You know and before we wrap up, We're having a big after party, the R Bar, and there's still plenty of tickets. So, you guys come because we're all going to be hanging out there after after this. So, come. I tweeted the address if you want to come. Everybody, give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you so much for coming. There are going to be more of these. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Good night, everybody. We got to go. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace.com. If you like the podcast, why not give us a nice rating on iTunes and also give yourself a nice rating on iTunes because you're a sweet darling and you deserve 50 stars. Hare Krishna!